Welcome to season four of Safe Topics. In this series, we're talking about books. And other things. Yes, other things, but we're gonna go deep on some books. Not like a full book review, but like a chapter by chapter review, which I guess adds up to a full book eventually. <laughs> yes, and we're gonna talk about anything else that makes us think about how we teach and why we teach. And we want you, the audience, to join us. Listen for details about how to do that at the end of this episode. All right, here we go. What made you go to college? Well, so it was um, many people in my life encouraging me to do that. I um, I had a buddy graduated the same time, same year I did two thousand in two thousand. He went to George Washington University right out of high school. I just did construction, got married, um, but he like kept we kept in touch, and he invited me out to D.C. during his spring break, and he was always like, "You got to go to school. You got to go to school." Um, and then at the same time, I had an economics teacher from high school that I just really clicked with. And so every time I'd go home to visit my parents, he'd like invite me to lunch and he'd do the same thing. Like, you got to go to school. You got to go to school. So when Mary and I got to a crossroads, we're like, all right, you know, jobs are great. We're making money. Things seem fine. But, you know, we're kind of ready for something else. We just kind of said, well, you know, let's go to California and see what's because we were living in Colorado this time. Let's go see what's available. Um, and it just so happened that through my economics teacher, he knew a place that was for rent for like 500 bucks a month in San Diego, North County, which is crazy. And we're that like, yeah. yeah, that doesn't exist. This is a little tiny beach college, uh, cottage, like literally one room. <laughs> that That's $3,000 a month now. Now, yeah, now it is. Yeah. But so that opened up and then we went to a bunch of different campuses and walked on Maricosa campus and just, I don't know, got this cool vibe, like, damn, this place is okay. And it just all kind of lined up and we had, you know, uh, and, and and in the back of my head was like, well, we'll try it. If it falls to pieces, we'll just go back to Colorado and get our jobs back. And what's the risk? There really isn't a risk. So that was it. We just tried it and got stuck. <laughs> And got stuck. <laughs> well, that's a good way to get stuck, I guess. And, yeah. and you've been stuck ever since. So. Ever since. <laughs> yeah. Been stuck ever since. Also, you know, the, the, this is kind of a, I wouldn't say a common thing, but we all know of this story of like the person that's really smart, but then they didn't go to college. And it's almost looked at as like a disappointment, right? And is that what you got with that kind of encouragement to go back? Was it like, look, you're a smart dude. You should at least give college, the old college try. You should give, you should right. give college a try yeah. because this is actually, you know, for based on their experiences, this, this is a place I see you and actually I see you thriving in an environment like this. Right. I, I maybe a little bit of that. I, I didn't get, the negative as much from Caleb, my buddy, or from Jeff, my economics teacher. Uh -huh. And I'll say at the same time, I was actually, you know, pretty successful in my job as a glazer in Colorado. Like, and not just like they were trusting me to do jobs on my own. Like they were inviting me in to design some stuff, right? Like, you know, like it was really cool. Like I, I was talking with supervisors. I was talking with journeymen. Um, and it was, I could see a real future there. So I, w I wasn't feeling like, oh, this sucks. Or like, you know, people are disappointed in me. Like, I wasn't feeling those pressures. I really felt blessed. Like, I had options. So I don't know. 
What what does a glazer do? Builds storefront windows. Well, we did commercial stuff, so builds windows. Uh, okay. Works with, works with glass. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of seal it in there. Is that that's what I'm imagining? Yeah. Well, so and we did all commercial stuff. So like you know when you go to the mall and it's that massive like sliding glass doors, but there's windows above. Yeah. So it's yeah aluminum frames, and then you use vinyl to get the the windows to stay. But that's right. I mean tucking vinyl in in Colorado winters when it's like you know snowing yeah that's 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 not desirable work <laughs> and you better do it right yeah <laughs> that, there's some precision that's needed there right i mean right with with that kind of cold you know my best friend is a um he does a lot of that he does a lot of like kitchens and cabinetry and stuff like that and i i love when he talks about it because it's like a whole other world yeah and it, it feels like a whole other useful world you know right. what i mean like right. i'm like if if there's okay if 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 shit goes south i don't know why we say south is that is that a racist term i want to take that back i don't uh, even know what that means right I'm, i if I things go bad how about that yeah. I, I that was just out of habit out of like that's a I common thing to say that. yes that, yeah, yeah that. we might have to look that up um so that if things go bad yes feels feels racist for some reason yeah yeah anyway if things go bad, I need my I need my best friend Manny. I need him because he could build things, right? I'll probably right. need you to like seal things in and 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 work with glass. I I, I chose like two pretty worthless um, professions in that situation of like when it's like a apocalyptic or post apocalyptic world or you know. <laughs> so so first I was printing newspapers, right. Probably yeah, but the printing press. I can't really help you too much, right? In, in that world, <laughs> and then I, I could tell you how people are acting now as as a sociologist in this situation. As society, like, you know, right now. when you're hungry and uh, right, <laughs> you're 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 trying to stave off the robbers. I don't know, like uh, the, giving a lecture is not really going to be that great. <laughs> well that just means we have to do everything we can to stave off the coming apocalypse i guess so that that's what we're doing right. yeah yeah but but so tell me a bit about your post high school experience because you didn't go straight to college and you how, how quickly did you get into the newspaper gig so I, i'm gonna tell the whole truth here because i i dropped out of high school I bounced around like my, I had like this continuity through elementary, middle, and then high school, just the same group of people moving, this cohort moving from um, school to school. And then in from my junior year to senior year, I moved high school three times. Wow. And I went, went from El Camino High School in Oceanside to Valley Center High School in Valley Center which is east of Escondido, California. And then I, I went to Oceanside High School. And then I went to Miracosa's adult high school program. Yeah. All within the course, this is all within two years. Wow. And I was much more interested in smoking weed and surfing than anything that was happening in high school. Yes. So that was like a daily thing. And it was every day, like driving to high school and then making a turn 
to go to the beach instead. Yeah. Because I, I really didn't feel like there was anything there for me. Yeah. So after that, I, I got a job, I remember, at, at a gas station, which is really okay for an 18-year-old. I'm, I, and for anybody, really, I, I think that that job's okay. But I was really depressed in that position. Oh, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I was really like, felt like there was something more that I should be doing. And even the people that I worked with, like they felt it. And, and, and you know, I, I didn't want to seem arrogant or seem like, I, like I'm above this work. But I mean, in all honesty, I felt like it, it didn't feel good to be a dropout and to be there working the midnight shift. It just, it didn't suit me well. Yeah. Um then I saw in the newspaper an ad for <laughs> an ad for um, in the classifieds for position as a press operator or pre- call him pressman. It's very, you know, pressman. Yeah. Pressman. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Press person. Now we say press person. We don't say anything now. There's no, yeah, there, those so, jobs are gone. <laughs> we, say, we say displaced is what we say. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, yeah. Um, so I, I and it was four four tens was the shift right. So you have four nights, ten hour shifts. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You get three days off. I could serve some more. Yeah. So I applied for the job. Um, regrettably, I lied on on the application and said I had a high school diploma. They didn't check. Right. I don't know why they would. Right. So, and I got the job, and so I was working at night. 10 hour shifts, had these three days off, was making $10 an hour, which at that time was like, woo, doing okay. Yeah. And uh, then decided to give college a try. And uh, when I went to Miracosta, I was, uh, I see this with a lot of my students too. And I've seen it throughout the years. Like the psychology is a very popular major going yeah. into college right, right. yeah and i think psychology's done a great job of of being effective and being relevant in our culture and uh pop culture you know there's pop psychology there there's a lot out there that's just like tv shows and especially like crime tv shows you know, a lot of a lot of students come in thinking they want to be in forensics too right sure um which that seems like a very exciting career especially based on what we see in yeah. the media right. anyway um that i wanted to be a psych major so i took you know four classes psych was one of them social so- sociology was one of them and then when i was in there it's just like just started hearing karen Baum talk about sociology and i was like blown away it was, it was a moment like I, I i i've never had a feeling like that of yeah like where was this hidden you know like why didn't they tell me about this this way of looking at the world and that people did this for a living. Right. And I I felt a little bit kind of deceived or like, like something was, yeah, like something was hidden from me. Because if I would have known about it earlier, this, this is for sure what I would have been committed to doing. Yeah. And um, yeah. And and so I, I was kind of going through a lot at that time and, it didn't really work out that first semester got all f's well w's and f's and um but that was probably the most important semester yeah 
academic career yeah. because um, I was introduced and I saw something that was a very clear singular goal. And, you know, if you have that, everything else is just showing up, you know? Right. Yeah. The, the student moves that may or may not have been there that first semester for you, you know, the kind of like how to show up and what to do before class and what to pay attention to and like those things, but the hooks were set. Right. And so, like you said, once the goal is in place and you feel motivated, then the student moves, they have to come next. Now you're just hungry. You're like, I, I need to do well here because I want to stay. What do I got to do? How do I, how do I do this? What, what, what are the other kids that are the students doing that gets, you know, gets them to be successful? Um, yeah. well, we live in a world where we really preach flexibility and I've seen some new data on, um, I guess it's Gen Z. I don't know. They're, they're, they're always like, we're new generations obviously are always emerging, but I, I don't know about the label so much. Right. I probably should as a sociologist, but they, they don't, <laughs> you know, they don't really concern me as much as they probably should. I would say that, but um, that they, they are really not just content, but they're, they're desiring kind of operating within a gig economy and, right, and right. piecing together the work, right. right as right. opposed to a solid career, right. Like with the benefits and this is very much an established path. Um, I think that's more attractive to people like us, right? And people of our generation yep, yep. as a whole, right? And so I, I don't know exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, well, I got stopped. yeah, I, so I think it's actually, I, I, okay, so thinking about our experiences entering college, thinking about our current students, I think there are some similarities just, and, and this is probably always going to be the case that students new to college that may or may not yet have that goal in place, you know, you, you kind of flounder a little bit. You kind of, you know, you're, you're exploring, you don't have anything motivating you to really dive in. And so, and I see that in my own students. Um, but I also think there is a difference that you and I brought to just kind of assumptions about being a student and what college is for uh, yeah. that, that I, that I think is unique to, to, our generation and unique to this next generation of students, right? Um, especially, like you said, you know, this desire to gig work your way through things, right? To not necessarily have this long-term fixed commitment, um, but to be be more flexible. I'm not sure that I'm set up to think like that as just a person, and I'm definitely not necessarily set up to teach like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Certainly. yeah. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think it was where I was going with that was the goal part. You know, when you don't have any other choice yeah. in anything, right? Like if you, there's no choices. There's one thing like that we're talking about like a post-apocalyptic world, right? Like that, that kind of um, situation where you have to figure it out. That's it. Yeah. The, the, right. It's kind of like having a, having a kid, right? Like there's not a lot of preparation for that. Right. generally in society where there should be yeah probably should like dedicate a good chunk of high school to hey when you have a kid this is what you should do because <laughs> <laughs> you're probably gonna have a kid <laughs> and if you don't great you can help the people that do because they need help right <laughs> help <laughs> um you know and, and so when you when you do have a child it's like well you don't have any other choice like this is it 
Right. You need to keep this person alive. Yes. That's baseline. Right. And now you've got to like make sure you don't fuck them up too much. That's right. There's self-esteem things they oh. need, all all the stuff. <laughs> everything plus more. Yes. <laughs> there everything that you have to deal with, plus they're like growing at a rate that's really unsustainable for the house. Like it's not <laughs> Right. You know, and unsustainable for your 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 uh your emotional well-being right yes i i swear i i drop my kids off every day curry i've probably told you this before i i cry almost every time i drop them off at school yeah i watch them walk away and i'm like oh that's too much like th- th- this is like like am i doing everything i can for these people right. over here you know like as they walk off and they're yeah. all happy and i'm like oh am i enough am i enough for them Jeez. Anyway, that that's one example. Yeah. But I felt like I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I felt like it was just like this is what I'm going to do. Right. And that's it. It it was it was either be in this job that I'm in right now or bust. Yeah. And I I'm I'm afraid of what the bust would look like cuz you know, I've had the bust experience before. Right. Well, and so that's true uh generally for us our enrollments at community colleges go up they're the best when everything else is slumping right when we're in a recession when jobs are hard to find when people are getting you know because like you said what else are you going to do if you can't get a job you got to go get some skills or something to get go get that job so folks come to community college right um right now is a weird moment because you can get a job you can get a go- that job you had at the gas station and it's not bad. Like you can make some money doing that stuff, right? It's not right. the best, but so the students that are showing up in our class are not only sort of grappling with that reality. Um, they're also, especially the ones straight out of high school, you know, they just lived through two years of Zoom and like they didn't have the, their juniors, sophomore, junior years, right? Their senior year was weird at that point. And so, yeah, all kinds of motivations, um, uh, assumptions about what school is even for, all that stuff is coming to our classes right now in in ways that I'm I'm really struggling, to tell you the truth. It it feels new. Here's the other thing. The variety and number of influences has proliferated within the last 10 years at a rate that we've never seen, mm-hmm. right? The the everyone has a voice generation. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying, I, that's a very neutral statement when I say that. It, yeah. Social media just being what it is. Yeah. You know, when you said like, we had this conception going into college of like what, what, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it should be, right? The expectations. The generation of students now, like, they don't have that myopic or that very limited amount of exposure to the representation, the symbolic representation of college. Right. They actually have like so many different ways of understanding what to expect out of that experience. Yeah. Right. They have the very real footage that comes in, in, in a TikTok video of college life yeah. memes um you know movies are more sophisticated now and all these different things well and on top of that you know are just the reality of folks that have college degrees and lots of debt and no jobs right and so it's there there are those representations of the college student experience but there's also representations of the value of college to 
lifestyles and, you know, uh, uh, as this sort of promise of, of higher success. And, and the representation of people who are successful without college. Yeah. And at the same time, college debt being um, an, an incredible burden, right? right? Yeah. So that's hard to reconcile when you're like thinking about going to college. For sure. Um, we, yeah. When you and I were going to college, we were, we were just before no child left behind. Right. And so, right. so we were like, and this kind of speaks to my experience. I saw, I felt like I had options. Half of my friends went to higher ed, went to university straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. Half of them got jobs like I did. And then right, you know, a year later was nine 11. And then a lot of my buddies joined the service. That's right. That's some right. Way or another, right? Um, that, so those, those folks use the GI bill to then go to college after, you know, Afghanistan and all that stuff. Sure. Um, but I still know folks that, you know, they, they are working, doing what they did. You know, they've shifted this business or that business or started their own business in addition to this other thing. And they're owning their house and doing great. You know, um, that's that, that assumption about college though shifted in the next generation after no child left behind mainstreaming. It was, everyone goes to college is the only pathway. And that's just a different mindset, right? I think so. But even, okay, going back to that idea of like military yeah. directly into a, a, a job that, that, that seems like it could be, um, you know, sustain a, a, a middle-class lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And then, or, or going to college uh, right out of high school. I feel like in the, those two tracks of going, going into the job market immediately and the military, there was always this, like, I will get to college eventually, though. Sure, right. Right? I, I remember that a lot of, like, the the military was, like you said, the GI Bill. The military was the way to college, right? It was, it was the roundabout way, but it was the funded way. And it was the, let me get these other skills, and let me get this security that comes from this job. And let me be patriotic as well, I think, at that time. That was yeah. a big one. Yeah. For sure. Um, but but it's all wrapped up into one, right? Like you get a lot out of being in the military. Yeah. Um, yeah. But school was definitely. I think people would put that in the. They would front load that because it it really sounds nice, right? It's a very acceptable answer to say like I'm going to the military. It's going to help me pay for school. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I feel like college is always. It it's so the idea of going to college is so strong in our culture that no matter what path you choose, you, you leave that there as an option. Yeah. Or you at least bring it up as one of your options. Yeah. Um, in some situations, I think to save face, but I think in some situations, because it's a very real goal for you because you feel the cultural pressure of, of not having a degree. You know, it's so, it's, you saying that reminded me of this experience. So my very first semester at Miracosta, and, and we we started the second so the spring semester so we didn't start like right after summer in the fall we we moved in the fall and we started spring uh-huh. um so it's winter time yeah i just been you know working on buildings shoving vinyl in in this freezing temperature this was my job now Welcome i'm to california exactly now i'm sitting at a table on the coast looking at the pacific ocean with a math book open <laughs> 
And I'm just thinking like, and this is my job. Like, this is what I'm going to do now. This it's crazy that this is a respectable thing that people, if I tell people that they are proud of me, I'm reading a fucking math book <laughs> and looking at the ocean instead of building America, which is, that's how we thought about it. Like, this is what we're doing. We are really shaping our society. And now I stopped doing that and I'm doing that. <laughs> and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I just remember how striking that was to me. Like, is this really worth something, what I'm doing right now? Why are we attaching value to this? Well, we were talking about consensus earlier. Maybe that is almost, that's, I think we're, we almost find consensus there. If, especially um, a younger person. I think there is an age factor to this. Yeah. If somebody says, I'm going to school, I'm going to college. Right. It's usually some positive comment follows that from the other person, right? The, yeah. a, a positive response. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What are you studying? Right. That's where it can go awry. Yeah. We can go awry instead of go south. That'll be better too. Yeah, that's, um, better. that's better. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if you say, you know, I, I'm studying to be an engineer. I think generally more positive comments. Yes. You know, I'm a sociology major. Now you're going to get a mixed bag in the results. I was going to say, so, I'm <laughs> studying literature. Um, well. <laughs> or what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I think that that is almost universally regarded as a good thing for people of a certain age, right? right. Yeah. That, like you're saying, like, they could be proud of me for doing this. And I'm looking at a math book and I'm looking at the ocean and I'm not actually building something that is going to keep people inside warm and that looks nice, but it's structurally sound and it's going to be here for the foreseeable future. Right. I'm trying to figure out the quadratic equation right now. Right. That's what right. I'm trying to do. Yeah, exactly. The quadratic formula. Right. Sorry, all my math colleagues. I, no, this is, this is, yeah, no, you're, you're there. I shouldn't be specific with those things. Yeah. I know to keep it general. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, so this, this whole conversation is just making me think about our position now as instructors at community college, mm -hmm. you and I have leadership positions, uh, in the governance structures at community college, we're in our classrooms. So, you know, and being mindful of students coming in with all these different assumptions and all these different needs, uh, and experiences, you know, how do we, how do we engage the way that Karen Baum did? for you, for our own students, right? And, and maybe not sort of sharing our own discipline or major, but what, how do we set hooks, I guess? Like, how do, we, how do we be a part of that? Like, what should we be focusing on? I don't think Karen Baum knew that she was doing that for me. Right. Right. Fantastic teacher. I don't think that, that she knew she was doing that for me. Yeah. And I think authenticity is so important in our work. Yeah, we talk about it. I think that word is overused. Yeah, and it's definitely used in inauthentic ways, which the irony is uh, thick with that. Because, do you really have to do anything more than be yourself to light that fire for students? And I think about a colleague who recently retired that I really respect. And is so different from me in yeah. their approach to teaching, but not really because 
they've had such a career that they've been able to teach in many different approaches and try out many different things. And that person is not trying to light the fire through like conjuring up some enthusiasm and, and being over the top with, uh, you know, their performative part of, of the job. Edutaining their students. Right. No. Yeah. It, it, this person's just good <laughs> and, and knows a lot and is, and, and you can trust them to do their job. Yeah. Right. And just that right there is amazing. Yeah. You know, I think if you are clear yeah. and if you are organized, boom, students love that. Right. But then the enthusiasm part, that's a bonus that is not really mandatory, but yeah. could be appreciated. Yeah. But also could not be appreciated. Right. So. Sure. Yeah. What if our authentic self is I'm an asshole? <laughs> But are you a competent asshole? Because I like competent assholes. I actually, I want to keep them around. You know, as long as they're not being like really harmful or uh, abusive, that's that's different. I'm just thinking of myself. You know, I'm I'm introverted. This week has been pretty tough for me. Just was last week was so busy, and I was in so many spaces, and I just really haven't recovered from last week yet. Yeah. So I was a little bit grumpy this week. Uh, And then I'm also, I think to a fault, just open to ways of questioning what we're doing and why we're doing it. And and I think that, you know, that's useful, especially in a composition class, because I'm constantly just like, let's reject the premise of this. Let's (laughs) throw out the entire prompt. Let's get in here and be creative. Right. That's me. That's authentically me. But that really confuses students and can be really, <laughs> really annoying when they're like, ask me a question, wanting a clear answer. And I go, well, it depends. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I'm finding I have to check my authentic self in lots of ways. <laughs> yeah, but that's not being an really asshole. That's not being an asshole. That's, a, that's, that's just, yeah, that, that's, well. Yeah, I don't know. No, you're not an asshole, but like I think that there is something about like the dependability, right? Like the the like I was saying with the other person, you could trust them to do their job. Yeah. You're actually doing your job, but I could see how a student could be like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Like I I don't <laughs> yes. like just tell me exactly what's going on and let's stick to something. Yeah. Where another student is going to be like, "I really appreciate the way that." We're just going to adapt to what is happening as opposed to just sticking to something for the sake of it was already established. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. And, but that's you being authentic. And I think that they should learn from you and then they should (laughs) learn from somebody else who's just going to stick to it no matter what, because are both important learning experiences. Right. Yeah. I think for this, so what I did do yesterday for this class was basically, you know, you, you mentioned it just now. I I pushed the pause button and I acknowledged, I started the class saying, listen, I want to start today from a place of humility. And I just want to share with you that this is, this is really me. Like, this is how I, you know, teach my classes. Uh, There's a lot of flexibility, but that can be, that can introduce complexity. So let's, we're going to pause today and we're going to identify what is complex about this moment in the semester Mm -hmm. and I had some things we worked through and at the end I feel like 
for those students who were frustrated, they had that clarity, they had that sense of organization. It, sure. it was helpful for them, right? But uh, I, I'm also mindful. So that was a semesterly moment and that was, I needed to do that. But this particular class, cohort of students, especially coming through their high school pen, you know, experience through that pandemic, I, you know, th- I'm noticing a lot of, I ask a question and they give a kind of answer that's, that's, I'm seeing patterns, right? And it's like, that's what they've been doing for the last three years. And I don't know that they've got a lot of feedback or been stretched or asked to reflect on that, like that kind of participation. It's just been the way to do it. And it's something I'm seeing like, okay, we got to get, we got to, we got to challenge this. Like we, we can't just rotely do this. We got to, we got to engage, we got to participate. So that, that's another thing just specific to this cohort of students that I'm trying to get my head around. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's not even like a reintroduction to that. It's like that probably maybe never really set in as an expectation for them. Right. Or it, it, you're, you're not bringing them back to something you're introducing it for the first time whereas right in semesters past uh pre-pandemic it was more like yeah you've done this before but this is this version of it that's right you're they right. may have never had it right right exactly and, and i feel that too with students and i'm like oh I've, I've never had so many students just not do the work and just be like totally just not do it and i'm like well what that's part of it did they think this was optional like for success in the class you know it's optional obviously but then like for you know i i just haven't had so many people just decide not to do it yeah and i i think that's part of that assumption that i'm describing or just ways of participating one of the ways to participate is don't (laughs) you know it's like (laughs) right and it because because I can make it up later or ultimately it gets sort of kind of expunged, whatever it is. And that's just been the most for the last <laughs> three years. <laughs> well, I, oh my gosh, we're going to go into, you know, what I wanted to talk about today was meetings. If you heard anything in this episode that has you thinking about how you teach, why you teach, or if anything made you feel joyful or even mad, like you just yelled at your dishes or whooped while you were walking your neighborhood, I've done those things, <laughs> then we really want to hear from you. You can find us on the Twitter at Safe Topics. Let us know how you're responding to today's book stuff, like what did we miss? Or what did we totally get right? Or what questions did we raise for you? And best of all, how are you thinking about your teaching and students? We'll update what we're reading so you can read along if you want. And your feedback will shape our discussions as we go. We may even read some comments in the episodes to come. And not just the nice ones. Safe Topics is a safe setting for dangerous topics. That's right. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe. We've never really asked people to do that before. I know. I think it's cool, though. We're ready to be rated and subscribed Yeah, and big thanks to Kelly Burnett and the rest of the Safe Topics team for editing, producing, promoting, and all the other wonderful backstage stuff you do. <laughs> and thank you for listening. <laughs>